0: So today we're going to... As far as we're aware, the final message in our Reset for Refreshment series. I say that because I know I've before said the final message of a series, and it's not been the final message. But as as far as we're aware, this is the final message in the Reset for Refreshment series. And during this, the key verse we've taken out of this is from Acts chapter 3, which says this, repent then and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out and and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, or in other translations, so in the presence of the Lord. And we've looked over several weeks at this, and um, I'm sure you've caught some of the messages. They're all on YouTube if you want to go back and refresh yourself on them. Um, Also, over the last year or so, we've been doing something called praying the names of God. They're often during the worship, um, we can do it at the end today, but during the worship, we've been praying a name of God and getting revelation and worshipping God by praying His name out loud. And today, um, those two things are going to align, and I've called this message Refreshment in a Name. And no surprises, because it's been said several times, Already, the name is Al Shaddai. Okay, and it's often translated into the English as God Almighty. Um, How many times is it found in the Bible? Does anyone know how many times Al Shaddai is found in the Bible? No, seven. Actually, not that many. Yeah, um, the term Shaddai is found another thirty-one times in the book of Job. So, should, um, so less than forty all up. But El Shaddai, as in El Shaddai, is found seven times: five times in Genesis, once in Exodus, and once in Ezekiel. And the first time it's mentioned is in Genesis seventeen verse one, when. Abraham. No, sorry. When Abraham was ninety-nine years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, "I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life." So here, God reveals Himself to Abraham as El Shaddai, and so El Shaddai is often translated into the English as God Almighty. Uh, But often, English... We lose some of the meaning that the original language um, contains. Um, it's found in several places in the Bible. Probably the most common one is in John chapter 21, when Jesus said, "Peter, do you love me?" and and Peter says, "Yes, I love you." And there's actually two different words for love there, and we lose that meaning in the English. Um, but so, how well does God Almighty translate? Al Shaddai. Um, is it, a, is it a, um, a good translation of Al Shaddai? Well, let's look at each of the syllables and look at the root meanings of them. So Al Al means God. Top marks for the translators there because they've got that right. Okay, I'm actually going to skip shad because I'm going to look at die next because that's something you'd expect to find in the name of God. So die, what does die mean? Well, actually, Nigel's already said, it means more than enough. And that's my garage, and people would argue that I have more than enough bicycles, that there's an abundance of bikes there. I could argue that there's some bikes I don't have, but... (laughs) But anyway, there's more than enough. There's an abundance there. So die means that. But there's also a power thing there that it's overpowered. So die, it kind of means more than God is more than enough. It's more than sufficient. It's overpowered um, like that little car is there. So that's as you say, that's what you expect. So God Almighty, that's... yeah, that's not a bad translation. So then what does shad mean? Well, shad's a little bit different. It's actually not a root word meaning I would expect to find in the name of God. See, what it means is breast. So, um, I couldn't, I hate to use that photo. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah, anyway. So I'm a veterinarian by trade, and I deal with cows. So, yeah. So, so that, as I say, it's it's not something I'd expect to find um, in the name of God. But if you think about it as a metaphor, well, actually, maybe it is. I want you to think of, say, a little baby nursing off its mum. And then, what sort of emotions, what sort of things, if you can imagine that, would you expect? Well, you find nurture. Who knows that God wants to nurture us? You find nourishment. Who knows that God wants to nourish and refresh us? Yeah. You find love. Who knows that God loves us? There's comfort. Be found if you think of that metaphor. In fact, in Luke chapter 16, um, Jesus tells the story of when this guy named Lazarus dies, he goes to a place called the bosom, it's kind of the breast of Abraham. And that's known as a place of peace and a place of comfort. So therefore, when we see this word shed, what it's meaning is that God's nurture, his nourishment, his love, his comfort is more than enough. It's more than sufficient. It's overpowered. So that's if we look deeper at what O Shaddai means, it means that El Shaddai, God's nurture and nature and love are overpowered. They're more than enough for us. So let's see what happens to Abraham when he meets up with El Shaddai. And what happens in his life and how it can relate to our lives. So let's read on in Genesis chapter 17. So he says, I am El Shaddai, and we can understand that that is what he's meaning when he says this to Abraham. So Genesis 17, verse um, 2 to 5, I will make a covenant with you by which I guarantee to give you cal- "'Countless descendants. "'At this, Abraham fell face down on the ground. "'Then God said to him, "'This is my covenant with you. "'I will make you the father of multiple nations. "'What's more, I am changing your name. "'It will no longer be Abraham. "'Instead, you'll be called Abraham, "'for you will be the father of many nations.'" So you see here that Abraham gets a refreshed identity. So God says to him, I am changing your name. Okay, You're going to become Abraham, not Abraham. And likewise, when we come to God, when we come to El Shaddai, we also get a refreshed identity identity. Um, If we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. So as we come to Christ, as we come before El Shaddai, our identity is also changed. We are also refreshed and made new in God. Some people note too that when um, God changed Abraham's name to Abraham, and also later down in the chapter, he changed Sarah's name to Sarah. Well, what did he add to it? Well, he added an H, or the Hebrew letter He, I think they call it. Okay, And if we look at God's name for himself, which we will get to later, it's Yahweh, um, the main syllable, no, main Syllable? No, consonant. The main consonant in that is an H. So in a way, God's added something of himself to the name of Abraham and Sarah. And likewise, when God changes our identity in Christ, where we become that new creation, um, something of God becomes of us. So, hallelujah! That's the first thing we see as we have, when we come to El Shaddai. When we come to Christ, we get a changed identity. Let's read on, chapter uh, verse six. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. So, part of the refreshing we see from God is fruitfulness. And we see that here in Abraham. He's promising him to be fruitful. And if we remember what die means, well, it means more than sufficient. It means abundance. So we can see this here happening as we read through Genesis chapter 17. Uh, the next little bit I find a little bit uncomfortable to read. It's about the, new, the covenant that God makes with Abraham, And I'm going to read just uh, verse 10. Um, There's quite a long passage about this. And it says, This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Aren't we glad? I'm glad we live under the new covenant, not the old covenant. But you see... Pardon? Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, but you see, there's a reset that happens here, okay? There's a reset um, that's happening with Abraham in that he's no longer the same after it. He's permanently changed, okay? And we no longer have to get circumcised. Thank um, goodness for the cross and for Christ for that. Um, but look, if we read two Colossians uh, sorry Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 when you come to Christ you were circumcised by not by a physical procedure Christ performed a spiritual circumcision cutting away your sinful nation nature sorry so that's the reset the title was called of the series is called reset for refreshment, And there's a reset c- happens when we come to Christ, that our sins are washed away and that we get reset in order that we can be refreshed. Let's read on in chapter 17. Uh, let's go verse 15. As for God said also to Abraham... As for Sarah, Sarai, your wife, you will no longer call her Sarai. You, her name will be Sarah. So you see, your refreshed identity isn't just for you. Your refreshed identity, as you come to Christ, affects those around you too, that they also may be refreshed and have a refreshed identity in Christ. Let's read verse sixteen. I will bless her, and. Will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of kings of peoples will come from her. You see, God's overpowering love and nurture will bless you, but it will also bless the others around you. So. Here he is, God is refreshing Abraham by fulfilling promises. And yeah, that the blessings you have are not just for you, and that we can expect that the promises God has made to us are true. And we can expect as we come to El Shaddai that his overpowered, his more than sufficient love and nurture will be able to fulfill the promises in our lives too. So, how did Abraham respond to this? Okay, let's read Genesis um, 17, uh, 17 and 18. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will, um, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child of, at the age of 90? Then Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael may, might live under your blessing. Blessing. You see, doubt had crept in. And he even says, may Ishmael live under your blessing. So what was happening here? Well, Abraham already had a son um, conceived to a servant rather than his wife, um, and his name was Ishmael. And he was prepared to settle. He was saying, no, 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 I've already got this. You know, well, why don't you just do with what I've got? And I think we do the same. Right. You know, we have a promise of God and we, and we think, well, maybe we'll just make do with what we've got instead of reaching for the things that God's promised. Yeah. Why is this? I was thinking, why did he do this? And I think the answer is found in Proverbs um, chapter 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick but a dream fulfilled is the tree of life so how old was Abraham here was found in verse 1 he was 99 years old do you know how many years he would have been hoping for a son and it not happened and every time he hoped and hoped and uh, then it didn't happen and his heart got sick and so he was probably at the point where he just didn't want to hope anymore you know? But who here is 99 or older? No. Okay. Well, you know what? There's still time for God to fulfill the hopes and the plans that he has placed in your heart. Okay. And, and we're going to pray the name El Shaddai later. And I actually believe that when we do, God's going to restir and recapture um, dreams and visions that he's given to people. So, yeah, so yeah, El Shaddai, the God whose nurture and love and comfort is more than enough, wants to refresh your dreams, refresh your hopes, and reset your heart. So cool. So, that's um, we're going to leave Genesis chapter 17 there. Um, but El Shaddai is found four more times in the book of Genesis, and every time. It's relating to that same promise he's given to Abraham. It's every time, every one of these verses, and I'll read a couple of them, but you can look the rest up. They're all referring to children. Let's read Genesis 28.3. May God Almighty bless you and give you many children, and may your descendants multiply and become many nations. Uh, We'll look at the last one, uh, Genesis 48. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty, so that's El Shaddai, appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and he blessed me. He said, I will make you fruitful, and I will multiply your descendants. It's um, also found in the book of Exodus, and we're going to look at that scripture soon, and found in Ezekiel, and I'm not going to look at that one because it's a completely different context. You can look it up if you like later. It's about the glory of God coming from the temple. But let's look at Exodus. Okay, Exodus chapter, um, Exodus chapter 6, verse 3. And God, this is talking to Moses now, and he says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. So that begs the question, why was God revealed as El Shaddai to the patriarchs? Um, and not Yahweh, as he revealed himself to Moses and the nation of Israel. Well, I believe the answer is that, actually found in the name El Shaddai, that El Shaddai was enough for the patriarchs. It was enough for Abraham to know God as El Shaddai. And later, when God Go, um, the nation of Israel was in captivity and they needed someone to rescue them. He then revealed more of his character by revealing more of his name and revealing more of himself by revealing himself as Yahweh. So Yahweh means um, who, yeah, I am who I am. Okay. Uh, we're not going to go into it much today, but I do want to go back. And Yahweh found 6,000. Five hundred times in the Bible, whereas El Shaddai is found seven, or if you count the thirty-one times in Job, you know that's thirty-eight times in the Bible. So, so most of the time when you're reading the Bible and it says the Lord, it's actually referring to Yahweh. Um, now, has anyone heard the term Jehovah? Okay, we use it. Okay. And does anyone notice that the term Yahweh and Jehovah tend to be used interchangeably? So um, sometimes we might say, um, like, um, Jehovah, we were praying in the pre-meeting, we prayed for Jehovah Rapha. But equally, we could have prayed Yahweh Rapha. And so I just want to explain that a little bit now, because I think there's some confusion around it, and I want to explain what the difference is. And there's a short explanation, and there's a longer explanation. Um, I'll start with the shorter explanation, okay? I'll start. I'll get to the longer one long. It's not that long, but but, um, Yahweh is Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, and Jehovah is Latin, or more precisely, it's the Anglicanized, the English pronunciation of the Latin word Jehovah. They would pronounce it a little bit differently. Um, and before I move on to the longer explanation, I just want to assure you that God speaks every language. Okay, So... When we pray the name of Jehovah, we're praying the Latin name, but God understands it. And if we've been worshipping all our lives with Jehovah, that's fine. God understands. He knows it. It's to him. It's his name because it is his name in the language of Latin and therefore in the language of um, Israel. Oh, no, sorry. In the language of English. Sorry. Getting all confused here. But why do we say Jehovah then? Well, for a long time, Jehovah was considered the Hebrew pronunciation. And I'm going to explain why that is now. You see, um, in the Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, they didn't use vowels. They didn't use any vowels at all. No. So they would just write the consonants down. Um, and yeah, and they, would, they would just know when they came to the word, what it was. Um, so there were no vowels in the written language. And they also wrote, um, wrote red from right to left, which is why it is um, backwards. The English letters underneath it are backwards. So backwards to us then. Um, so there were no vowels in ancient Hebrew. Also, the Israelites would not say the name Yahweh. They considered it too holy to speak. So what would happen is when they were reading the scriptures, they would instead replace the name Yahweh with Adonai, which means my Lord. So here you have, um, yeah, they. So 6,500 times in the Bible. So whenever they got to Yahweh, instead of saying Yahweh, they would say Adonai. So later on, they thought, let's add some vowels. To our scripture. So, what they would do is they went through and they added vowels to all the words because there's just more clarity and all that by having vowels there. And um, when they got to the word Yahweh, instead of adding the word, um, adding the vowels for Yahweh, they added the vowels for Adonai. So, you ended up in the ancient scriptures with um, the consonants for Yahweh and the vowels for Adonai. And there's reasons in Latin why we use it's also Jehovah. You see, in, in Latin, there is no Y. Instead of a Y, they use a J. And also, there's no W either. So you end up with a V. And so that there, I hope we've explained how we get the name Jehovah, the Latin word Jehovah, and Yahweh, the Hebrew name. But... This story does beg us a question. I'm going to close with this and, and use it to circle back to El Shaddai in actual fact. is Should we say Yahweh? You see, the Jewish people to this day do not use the word Yahweh. They, still, they consider it too holy to say Yahweh. Um, So therefore, should we be saying it or should we stick to Jehovah because that might be safer? Well, I want to look for a start at the Bible. What does the Bible say? And we want to look at the first time where God introduces himself as Yahweh. God said to Moses, so this is Exodus 3.15, God said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to be remembered for all generations. So if, say I say, hey, I'm Phil, just don't say my name. No, no. I think God quite clearly said, this is my name. So if you um, use somebody's name, um, you'd actually expect them to remember it and use it. Who hates it when they forget someone's name? Oh, I was in the supermarket the other day, and the guy comes up to me and goes, Oh, hi, Phil, how are you going? I'm like, mortified. I'm like, I have no idea who you are. Um, <laughs> he seemed to know me, though. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I actually think that using God's name is a way of honoring him. Um, so that's one reason. Um, the second reason is that when actually fact that the Israelites did Um, Yeah, so that is my name to be remembered for all generations. So in order to remember it, we've got to say it. Um, Let's look at the story of David and Goliath. You see, the Israelites did use God's name back when David was alive. And 1 Samuel 17, verse 35, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. He used the word Yahweh. Of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defiled. So, David used the name Yahweh in the presence of his enemies. So, if he can do that, then I think it's all right if we um, use that name too, as well. Um, And in actual fact, it wasn't until after the Babylonian excise that this rule or the tradition of not saying Yahweh was started. Um, Did God's name become more holy after the Babylonian exile? No, it didn't. Okay, so I've kind of said, well, yes, it is okay. But the final reason... oh, Oh, there's that verse... Our final reason that we can say um, the name Yahweh is the cross. Because when I said the Israelites wouldn't say it, that's not technically known. The high priest in the temple at certain times of the year was able to say the word Yahweh. What did Jesus do on the cross? Well, I want to read for you Matthew 27, 50 and 51. Jesus shouted again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn on two from top to bottom. The earth shook, and the rocks split apart. So therefore, what's that saying is that there was a place in the temple called the Holy of Holies that only the high priest could enter once a year. And remember, the high priest is the only one that could say the name Yahweh. Well, Jesus tore that curtain in two um, in order that we could all enter the Holy of Holies. So therefore, we can all enter before God and we can all say his name. So, yeah, so. Going back to El Shaddai. You see, Jesus' work on the cross embodies God's nature in El Shaddai. So if you think El Shaddai means God's um, nurture and love and comfort and grace are more than sufficient. They're more than what we need. And that is found on the cross. And Nigel, in his communion message, just showed that to us so beautifully. So now... We're going to pray the names of God. And no guesses as to what name it is. It's El Shaddai. Um, I hope as we pray that we're going to have more of an appreciation of what we're praying. And, we, and you know that songs are prayers um, that as we're singing prayers. So we're actually going to use a song um, in order to pray the name of God. And I do believe that as we do it, um, God's going to reawaken. He's going to refresh the dreams that he has for you people. Hallelujah.